Well, good morning. Oh, sorry. Good afternoon. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just a great time of worship. You, you always know that, like, the spirit is just working when you start moving back and forth, right? And before you know it, you're, like, all the way down the end of the aisle, you know? And, and then you start, you know, kind of to start nodding your head, right? And you start to, maybe, maybe you lift a hand, and then you start, like, trying to make those runs that Jen makes, like, God with us, like, right? And I, I got a baritone voice, so I can't really make those. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Man, just, just a good time of worship. We got to get some energy in here this afternoon. And so, you know, I have the privilege of uh, serving here at Solid Rock as the pastor of community and missions. We are so glad that you're here with us today. And it's an honor um, and a joy for me to be able to, able to open God's word with you. Um, Jason, the, the lead pastor, you, you saw from him earlier today, um, <clears throat> he's here, he's somewhere around here, he's not out of town, he's not sick, um, he's not trying to recover from Easter, uh, but we planned it this way, this is, this is what we planned to happen, and so I'm excited to get into God's word with you, and so today we're going to really be back in our series titled, A Church on Mission. And this has been an awesome series to really focus in and see this mission that we have been called to as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. And it's a really amazing thing to realize that we are not only recipients of this mission as, you know, the gospel is given to us by somebody on mission, but that we are members of this and a part of this mission together. And so today we're going to look at how gospel community works within that and how it works within the church. And if you look through scripture, especially the book of Acts, you will see that as the people of God come together and live out community, as the people of God do what it means to be the people of God, to be saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus, to proclaim the glory of the gospel as they do these things, that not only is discipleship happening and maturity in Christ happening, but others are coming to know the Lord through this community of God's people as well, and the church explodes. And so, we're going to look into this today, really three primary things that we're going to look at. One is the, the purpose of gospel community. Second is what it really looks like and how we're to live this out amongst one another. And, and then finally, we're going to see how and why gospel community is the avenue towards spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. And, and as you really study about community, you begin to see just the importance and the vital role that it plays in this mission that we've been called to as followers of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, your tablet, your phone, whatever you use, your copy of God's Word, if you would please open to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word today, we have uh, black hardback Bibles in the seat below you. You can grab one of those, follow along with us, and you can also take that home. That's our free gift to you. And so we're going to start in verse 1 of Ephesians 4. Paul, the writer, says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so before we really dig into all of this, I, I want to point out with the way that Paul starts the second part of his letter to the church in Ephesus. He, he starts out by calling attention to the fact that he is a prisoner 
for the Lord. And the reason that he does this, I really think, is twofold. One, he wants us to understand, the readers of this, to understand that when we come to Christ, we belong to him. And two, he's actually in prison when he's writing this. And so he also wants the, the people to know that to belong to Christ is worth all costs. This to walk in this manner worthy of the calling, this, this calling to glory and everlasting eternal joy with Christ is worth all costs in this life. It's worth everything. It's worth being in prison for. It's worth even dying for. And so he's saying here that I belong to Christ and walking in a manner worthy of this calling of, of living our lives for the gospel is not about finding ease and comfort in the circumstances of this life, but it's about the hope of eternal glory because the things in this life are fleeting, they are temporary, but the hope of eternal glory in the presence of God does not fade away. And so in the same way, Gospel community is something that it's not going to be easy for us. At times, community with sinful people is going to cost you something. It is, but what we're going to see is that it's worth the cost. And so Paul starts with this challenge, this urgency to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, and then he kind of goes into how that plays out. And so we're going to kind of do an, an overview, and then we'll zoom back in on the points that he makes here. So in verse 2 and 3, he says that with humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love, we are to be eager or to be diligent to maintain and preserve the unity of the Spirit. And, and so he's saying here that if we you and I disregard this, that if we disregard living together in community unified by the Spirit, if we disregard um, spending time to safeguard and maintain and preserve this unity that we have in the Spirit and that Christ died to obtain for us, then we're living in a manner that is unworthy of the calling. That's weighty. That, that should feel heavy upon us and we're going to come back and we're going to look at this more in depth, but I want to spend some time first in verses 4 through 6 because what he says in these three verses really is, is profound, and it's the purpose for our community with one another as believers. It's the foundation of our unity, and it's really what we need to wrap our minds around in order to walk in this manner worthy of the calling. And so Paul says here, if you look back with me in verse 4, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so in order to really understand what true gospel community is, we, we have to understand the purpose for it and, and how it works. See, lifeless community in the church happens when we don't have a clear understanding of why we are in community in the first place. And, and here's the thing. I, I really believe that we live in a culture that thinks that you and I can succeed on our own, that you and I can succeed in isolation, and that's actually where happiness is found. And if you look, this has been proven, if you just look at how we use technology, we've replaced human face-to-face -face human relationships with text and email and online banking and online shopping. You can even order your Starbucks drink from your phone and pay for it and go up and just scan it. And you don't have to say a word to the person behind the counter. 
We've seen people replace worship services and going to church with streaming it online. And if they do come to church because of this culture, because of how we are being told to live, they have limited interaction with the congregation. They listen to the sermon, they exit, and they go home, only to not have any contact and then do it again Sunday. And this has become the extent of our lives. This has become the extent of our church life. As, as Christians, you know, we, many of us, we will, hopefully all of us that say we're Christians will say and, and know that, that we are hopeless people without the saving work of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. But what we fail to realize is that we have a need for our brothers and sisters and the community that Christ has died to obtain for us. And because of this, we are, are living in a, in a time where, where we neglect time with others. We let our calendars run our lives, our busyness. We, we don't come in and, and have community with other believers. You know, I've, I've heard it said many, many, many times um, before, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. Or I love Jesus, but I don't really like those people that go to church. And I've heard that said because I've said that before. I, I thought that at one point in my life. And, and what we fail to realize in those statements and in this mindset is that while we may dislike the church, that Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for the church. The church is his adorned bride. And, and so this mindset, I, I feel like, really comes from the fact that we aren't able to clearly see who we are and our identity in Christ and the family that we now have in him. We're not able to see our need for both Christ and the people of God. And what often happens in this struggle is we tend to isolate ourselves, or worse, we tend to demean others to boost our confidence. This is where we see you know, church splits, or we see um, people hopping from church to church to church, or people just leaving church altogether because of silly little things like the color of the carpet or the decorations in the hallway, or somebody didn't look at me the right way. We're forgetting our purpose here. We're forgetting our foundation. It's not those silly things. We are meant to find our identities in Jesus as the children of God. And with that, we are members of this kingdom together. We are bearers of his image together. To be a Christian is to be in the community of God's people. To be united to Christ is to be united to his body, to the church. When we come to Christ through faith, we're not only given a new identity, but we're given a new community as well. We are now citizens in the kingdom of God, and we are brought into community with other citizens. And listen to me, guys. This is good, great, fantastic news. Because God created us this way. God created us as communal creatures. He created us to be in relationship with him and with one another. And God created us this way because he created us in his image. And he himself communes not alone, but he communes in the perfect fellowship of the Trinity, the Godhead, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you and I are made after the likeness of this triune God. And so as we seek to understand our purpose and this purpose for community within the body of Christ, we, we have to start with the beauty of the Trinitarian community. To know that our purpose is to, and we were created to image and to reflect this triune God. Now, in the fall, this was broken, right? 
This was broken. Our relationship with God was broken. Our relationship with one another was broken. And sin has come in and it has distorted this purpose for you and I. But the good news and glory be to God that he sent his son who has restored this for us by his blood on the cross. Through Jesus, he gives us the ability to experience life as God has intended in community with him and with one another. And we need to see this eternal purpose of community in order to ignite a true devotion to community in us. And that's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians 4. He's laying down this foundation, this purpose that we are, that our community is found, this purpose for our community is found in our unity and it's found on the oneness of the Trinity and on the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf and my behalf. He says we are one body with one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And this was earth-shattering news to the people that he's writing to, a combination of Jews and Gentiles who had never had unity before. And he's urging them and challenging them that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we, and through faith in Christ that we are saved and unified as the community of Jesus Christ. We belong to one another because we belong to Jesus Christ. This is the driving purpose for our community. It's the reason why walking in community is to be an essential part of the Christian life. The driving purpose for our community is not our social status. It's not our political views. It's not our personalities. It's not our hobbies. A a well-known theologian And speaker and author says this, his name is D.A. Carson. He says, what binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they have all been loved by Jesus himself. They are a a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. And I've seen this truth very clearly in my life. In my closest relationships with the community that I have, the people that I have, if our community was based upon and driven by our common interests, we'd be in a lot of trouble. My most important relationship with my wife, we can't find a common interest to save our lives. Our two interests, common interests, I'm I'm not kidding you, our two are Jesus and early 2000 rap music. (laughs) It's about it. You know, we were driving down I-35 going to San Antonio in December, um, and we turn on our, this, this playlist of all of our past favorites from, you know, and we were in middle school then. And, and so we're turning this on. We're, we're jamming. We're going down I-35, listening to some Jaw Rule, some Mary J. Blige, some Nelly. I mean, we were getting it going, right? And, and we failed to realize that back then, we, we didn't really understand what they were saying. Now we do. And we soon realized that this might not be the best thing for us to have a common interest in. It's like, oh, oh my, oh my goodness, what is he saying? Can't look at you right now. You know, we, we have a hard time finding TV shows together, finding movies together. It takes us more time to pick a place to eat than to actually get there. Last Saturday, we drove around for an hour and a half trying to find a place for lunch. It was her day off, and we were going to go out, and we were going to have lunch together, and we wasted it in the car arguing over where we were going to go to eat. It was mostly my fault. It was. 
You know, Jason Williams, the lead pastor here, and I, we, while there's a lot of things that we enjoy together, there's a lot of differences between us two. If you ask people that know both of us, you, you, you know that. You know, his, he, he loves to go camping. I love to go camping. Two different reasons. His idea of camping, he, he geeks out on the climbing and the hiking part of camping. My idea of camping, good steak, comfy chair, not too far away from the car. <laughs> right? You know, we used to go over to him and Hallie's house um, back a, a while back, actually. A bunch of us guys, we'd go over there, younger guys, and we'd hang out with them and eat dinner with them. And they were so gracious to have us in their home. And we'd play games with them and have just fun times. We'd always end it with a fire. You know, there's nothing that unites a bunch of guys like a good fire. Those flames, like we can be enemies, and it's just those flames pop up. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> right? That's just how it is. And so we're, you know, looking, uh, we're around this fire, and, and I swear to you, not five, ten minutes into this fire, Jason up and starts heading to the house, and he's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. You guys, uh, you go ahead and put the fire out. And, and he went in the house. Like, he's the earliest riser I will ever meet in my life, and I'm the biggest night owl that you will ever meet in your life. And, and so we're just different now, but he just goes in the house, and then, like, there, I, I swear this happened multiple times, and we just soon to uh, get, you know, just used to the fact that if we start a fire, Jason's going to bed. It's a running joke we had. Now, there's plenty of times where he stayed around the entire time. i got to give him a little bit of credit, but, you know. Even in my community group, we have a lot of differences. We have a lot of different personalities rubbing up against each other. It's just, it's just different. And, and, and we have different common interests. Some of us, we can watch sports all day. Others of us, it's the last thing we want to do. We couldn't sit through 30 minutes of a baseball game or a football game. No way. Uh, just to show you kind of how this has happened, you know, we, I remember back, uh, we had a very vivid argument. The guys did. Not the girls. The guys had a very vid vivid argument on whether Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake was better. <laughs> and it got heated at one point. Like, we, we, we eventually just had to, like, agree to disagree and, and move on to our discussion time because we needed some Jesus in here because it was getting, people were about to start throwing some bows and stuff in here. So, you know, it was just crazy. And, and really what I'm trying to do, when I'm trying to just tell all these funny stories to make this point that, that the good news for us in community and really the beauty of gospel-centered community is that it's not based upon our preferences, it's not based upon our likes, our opinions, our, our political views, or, or anything else of that sort, but it's solely based on the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. And it is because of this that the greatest of enemies can become the best of friends in Christ. It's one of the most beautiful aspects of the gospel that there is. And so if you're following along with your sermon notes, the, the purpose for our community as believers is to reflect and image the triune God. And so knowing where our community comes from and how this works and our purpose, we're going to be able to see much more clearly how we are to live this out in our lives. And so if you look at verse 2 and 3 with me, it says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so this is what gospel community looks like. This is what it is. This is how we are to go about living out our God-given purpose in community that Christ has restored for us. Community doesn't look like us just sitting around a fire all singing kumbaya together. That's not what it looks like. It looks like this. It has these traits, 
of humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. These are traits of someone who understands that they belong to Christ, therefore they belong to one another. That understands the purpose and the foundation for our community is to reflect the triune God and that Jesus has come in and spilled his blood so that we would be able to do this. And so I want to take a look and make sure we have a clear understanding of all of these traits. And so I'm going to take humility first. And I think this is really the most important one that we can look at. Um, I feel as though there's just this misconception of what humility is in our world today. There's a great mistake to confuse humility with uncertainty. And I don't think Paul was saying that the, the way to have true unity and to have true gospel community is to be vague or doubtful or uncertain about what unites us and what our purpose and foundation is. And this comes from a misunderstanding of what true humility is. See, true humility is not seeing yourself as someone that doesn't have value. It's not seeing yourself as some failure that will never get things together. But it's seeing yourself as God sees you. That while, yes, sinful, and while, yes, you do fall short, but you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And your value is not based upon your ability to be good, but it's based upon the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. It's the type of humility that Paul's talking about here is a humility that says, I, I'm not the center of all of this. Jesus is. I'm not the king. God is the king. My will is not law. God's word is law. I do not have authority over my life, but God has authority over my life. And in this truth, I will humbly submit to God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Humility is not saying that we are uncertain about everything. Therefore, I can make truth into whatever I want it to be, and you can make truth into whatever you want it to be, and we'll just figure it out. That's pride. Humility is recognizing truth and therefore submitting to that truth. And when we have a right view of the gospel and who we are in relation to the gospel, there comes a humble submission with it to where we are then able to walk in humility with others. We're able to be people that are gentle and patient and, and have joy in bearing with one another in hard times. And so what we see also, though, is in Philippians 2. You don't have to turn there. Philippians 2 tells us that, that we are to count others as more significant than ourselves and, and that we are to have this mind, which is ours in Jesus, and he says that even though Jesus was in the form of God, he emptied himself. He humbly took the form of a servant and humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And so Paul is saying here that we eagerly maintain our community with one another by walking in a humble submission to Christ. Because in that humble submission to Christ, we are free to then walk humbly with others. And this is a rich key to gospel community. And then he lists other characteristics that really flow from this humility. There's gentleness, or in some of your translations it may say meekness. And this is simply that we are kind to one another. We are compassionate toward one another. We don't operate in rudeness and, and pride and cutting each other down. Next is patience, and this is where we, we don't put everybody on our schedule and on our level. But we wait on God's timing. Patience throughout the scriptures is someone who is faithfully waiting for God to act when, where, how God chooses to act. And then we see, finally, 
that we are to bear with one another in love. And this is describing how we walk with others through difficult and painful times. It may be through a time of suffering. It may be a season that was brought on from their own sin. Either way, it's this idea of bearing with them, walking with them in love, a love that is committed to stand by them no matter what. And finally, we see that not only are we to resemble these and walk in these character traits for the sake of our community, but we are to do this in a certain manner. Paul says in verse 3 that we are to walk in this eagerly, meaning that we do this willingly. We, we do this with a commitment to one another by the power of the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 that they shared not only the gospel of God with each other, but they shared their lives with each other meaning community with the, with the language we see there, the language we see in Ephesians, we see that community is not just some checklist for us. It's not something that we just try to figure out how to fit into our busy schedules and our calendars and we'll do it when we get around to it. But it's how we are supposed to live our lives as Christians. It's what we've been brought into and it is who we are now. And all of this should sound so familiar to us, not just because we read this scripture before, we've heard this preached before, but because these are the very traits of God. A gospel community, God's people, should reflect the very nature of God himself. That's what we just heard from our purpose. That is the purpose of our community. And, and, and God, he, he humbled himself to the point of death. God is gentle and he is gracious and he is patient and he shows us his unwavering commitment and love for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you follow along in sermon notes, when we are diligent to walk in humility, gentleness, patience, and bear with one another, we maintain our unity and reflect the image of the triune God. Gospel community lived out like this is really one of the most amazing treasures that you will ever find. I promise. This is very evident to me leading up to my wedding. Allie and I were getting married and we started talking about all the things with the wedding. You know how that is, that process. It's fun. Um, and, and so we start, you know, talking about who we want in our wedding. And, and, you know, I give her my list and she gives me her list. And she kind of looks at me and she's like, um, we've got a problem. I was like, yeah. She's like, you've got way too many people. I was like, well, I think the problem is more about the fact that I'm just way more popular than you, and you need friends. <laughs> not really. I'm not that mean to my wife, I promise. But I was thinking back on it, and I was like, it was a little crazy. I mean, we had a family ceremony, and I had three ushers that weren't family. You know? And, and, and we worked it through it and all those things. But I remember in that time, I, I just started thinking about these relationships and these guys that were, that were with me and, and that I've lived life with and I'm going to have up there. And it wasn't that I was this popular guy or this amazing people person, because I'm not an amazing people person, I promise you. But it was that God, in his grace, just gave me relationships that were deeply rooted in gospel community. What we just read in Ephesians 4 is being lived out around me. And, and we weren't perfect at it. And I don't think the point here is to be perfect. You know, there's times where we're going to get prideful. There's times where we're going to get angry. There's times where we're not going to be patient. There's times where we don't want to go through a hard time with someone. But the point is here that as we walk side by side with a unifying purpose in true gospel community, in true gospel community, that we should not take that for granted. But we should 
pursue this as a gracious gift from God. We should pursue this with eager hearts, knowing that Jesus gave his life to obtain this for us. And so, you know, as we live out gospel community, something really remarkable happens. If you look down further in Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 13. Uh, Paul begins to explain how the building up of the body works in the, in the body of Christ. And, and we're going to see that from this, through our community and through this uh, firm foundation of the gospel, that growth happens and maturity in Christ happens. And so we're going to start in verse 13 of Ephesians 4. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so Paul is saying here that as believers come together and live this uh, Christ-centered community with one another, that we begin to mature. We mature in our knowledge of Jesus. We become conformed to the fullness of Christ. He uses this metaphor of mature manhood and contrasts it with that of a child. He says that when we press into this Christ-centered community, it's, we, we no longer become like children. They're tossed back and forth by the waves and the winds of false doctrine, of human cunning, of deceit and schemes of others. But we become firm in our manhood and mature. He then uses this illustration of the body. And he's saying here that as we live out community with one another, growth happens because we become joined together. We're held together. We become equipped. We become united together into Christ who is the head. And so through this pursuit of community, we're able to mature in Christ. We're able to grow together as the body of Christ. And we can easily get lost from his point here, and we can miss just how this works. But it's really a very simple concept. It really is. It's that as we come together, as we live this out, we're no longer just storing up this knowledge of Jesus in our head. We're no longer just having head knowledge rattling around up there of what we're supposed to do. But when we engage in Christ-centered community, we are putting what we believe into practice, which sparks growth in us. It's your third blank. And, and what we see in this is that maturity in Christ happens as we are also joined together. In the same way that happens in the body, there's parts. There's different parts with different functions, right? And though each part and each function is for the edification of the whole body, one part cannot survive alone by itself. And so it's only as we are joined together into the head of the body, Christ, that we grow. When we're joined together and we're known by each other and we walk through life and we, we live out and, and just walk with each other through joys and through struggles and through all of these things, that we're able to point each other to Christ. We're able to to really uh, speak and remind one another of the gospel. We're able to remind one another of the power of the gospel in the midst of whatever we are doing, in the midst of whatever is going on. And, and when I was uh, in the TCU band, TCU Horn Frogs, Go Frogs, um, 
I, I got to do some really cool events. And at some of those events, I got to meet some celebrities. And uh, we were at Texas Motor Speedway this one time. And I got to meet Dirk Nowinski and Vince Vaughn. I felt very short. <laughs> if you don't know, Vince Vaughn's like 6'6", six, six, and, uh, and Dirk's like 7 feet tall. It's, it was just crazy. And so I remember, uh, you know, shaking their hands, and it was meeting them, and, hi, my name is Brian. Hi, my name is Dirk. And, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of, it was really cool, but it was really weird because you, you see these guys all the time, and, and you feel like you know them. You do. And, and you may know a lot about them, but you're not known by them. Because if I wanted to roll up to Dirk's house and hang out, which would be cool, that'd be awesome, get to hang out with Dirk Nowinski for a day. But if I knock on the door, and I'm like, hey, Dirk, and he's like, who are you? I said, well, I'm Brian. Remember, we met at Texas Motor Speedway. Well, we just shook hands, and then I went and played the national anthem while you went and introduced the drivers. Your job was a lot cooler, but you know, right? You, it was back in 2007. You went 67-15 and 15 that year. You averaged 27 points and nine rebounds. Y'all lost to Golden State in the first round of the playoffs. That was a bummer. My wife, she has the same birthday as you. We should hang out. <laughs> right? He, he's either going to think I'm crazy. Well, he's going to think I'm crazy. He might get mad that I brought up the fact that they lost to Golden State. He's just now getting over that. But he's probably going to call the cops and the door is going to get slammed in my face. And here's the deal. There's a difference between just knowing things about someone and being known by them, being joined together, living life with them. Community is so much more than knowing a name, knowing where they work, knowing where they live. But community is about being joined together by Jesus and walking together with our eyes upon him. Uh, an example of really kind of how this works out is that, you know, it's, it's one thing to know that we're to forgive someone. It's a whole other story to live out forgiveness. That will stretch you. That will grow you. When we have conflict in community, which is going to happen because we have a real and present enemy who is out to destroy our community, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work in us allows us to live out this redemptive power of Christ's forgiveness in us towards another person. So we're able to live out passages like Ephesians 4.32 that says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We're able to, to, to see that as we really give grace and we give mercy to others because of the grace and mercy that we know in Jesus, that we are met with a deeper knowledge of Jesus and a deeper gratitude of Jesus. And we, we are being chipped away. Our, our pride is being chipped away by God and our, our, our selfishness is being chipped away by God and we are being molded and we're being shaped into the image that we are created to be to look more like Jesus Christ. The best relationships I have in my life are the ones where I've had to have those gut-wrenching conversations of conflict, of resolving conflict, because we are joined together because of who Christ is and what he's done in our lives. Growth and maturity in Christ happens in the trenches of community, in the battle of eagerly fighting by the power of the Spirit day in and day out. It happens as we are joined together and we are known by one another and we are um, built into the head, which is Christ. The community group that I get to meet with now and the community that God has blessed me with throughout my walk, uh, he is continuously used to challenge me, 
to grow me, to mature me, to speak truth to me, and to radically transform my life. If you're following along, through the redeeming power of Christ, we mature spiritually as we become known by one another and are joined together as one body. And so as we share our lives together, as we open the word of God together, as we pray, as we fellowship, as we worship together and share meals together and evangelize together and walk in humility with one another and walk through suffering with each other and, and we show grace and we, give, uh, we forgive others, transformation happens in the life of a believer. The gospel becomes so real, so tangible through that community with one another is the body of Christ. And community becomes um, not just some event that we have to go to, but it becomes this um, lifestyle that we get to be a part of as the people of God. It's not just some other obligation that we have on our calendars, but it's a blessing to be able to go. It's not just some department in the church that we get to check off, but it's this disciple-making movement because as we live our lives together in community, maturing and growing with Christ, we are showing the world around us the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and the beauty of Jesus, and others come to know him through this community. It is through our community as the people of God that the body builds itself up in love, disciples are made, and the mission of God flows to others. This has been a very special week for me. I've gotten to spend a lot of time with uh, Daniel and Amanda Bray who are in town. Uh, we, as Saul Rocker, partnered with them as they are missionaries in China. And, and they're going to be talking later today at 3. I encourage all of you to come and, and listen to see what God is doing through them in China and just to, just to come and support them to come and support them. And so, you know, I, I've gotten to listen to them a lot in a lot of different avenues. And, and, and the thing that's really stuck out to me, the thing that's really amazed me and that I've, I've heard is that their community with other believers over there is vital. It is a vital part in the mission that Jesus has called them to in China. That, that the community of God's people is a, is a vital part in the gigantic growth of people that are coming to know Jesus as Lord in China. And, and you know what they asked for when they wanted to partner with us? They asked for prayer. They asked for letters, pictures of church family, an encouraging email from time to time, maybe some people to FaceTime them and Skype them, some, some wisdom and some guidance from our elder body. They asked for us to be a part of what God's doing in China through them. They asked to partner with the community of Solid Rock Church because they know that as they are pouring themselves out continuously to, to, to make disciples and, and have others come to know Jesus, that they need the body of Christ to pour back into them. They know that it's only as we come together that we truly display the glory of God. And the same goes for everybody in here. The same goes for this church in Fort Worth, Texas. We cannot be a church on mission without engaging with one another as the community, as the people of God. It will not happen. We will not reach people. And all of what we've learned today and what we've heard today is why we say here at Saul Rock Church that our community group ministry is the primary place where we facilitate spiritual growth, discipleship, and life transformation. 
This is why we begin modeling what community is in our kids' ministry and in our student ministry with small groups. They don't really have a choice but to do it. Ask them. This is why we break into small groups in men's ministry and in women's ministry. Gospel community is one of the greatest resources to our walk with Christ, and it's one of the key components that God is using daily to remind us of our need for him. To, re- to mature us, to grow us, to remind us that there are lost and broken people out there that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. To remind us that he has called us to be on mission. He has told us to make disciples of the nations as he is advancing his kingdom and he is saving and he is working in Fort Worth, Texas and all across the world. Oh, that the spirit would help us see this, that we would be encouraged today that we would be encouraged to pursue and engage in gospel community within the body of the church. If you guys would pray with me, Jason Martin's going to come back up, and then we're going to move into a time of communion together. Father, we come to you. We just thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what he's done on our behalf. Father, we thank you that you have purpose for us and you have meaning for us. And um, Father, that you are so gracious to us that while we have run from this purpose and we have um, stamped, uh, stomped upon your, your meaning of life with our sin, that you restore us, you save us, you, you reconcile us to you and, and to one another. And Father, I ask for the, the person here that may not know you, that is searching for that belonging, is searching for this purpose and, and what life is about, Father, that they would come to a saving faith in your son today, that they would know that, that they are sinful, that they fall short, they make mistakes. And that in that, we, we separate ourselves from you, but, but you have sent your son as he lived a, a, a perfect life And he was the the perfect sacrifice as he bore our sins upon the cross. And he rose from the grave to defeat death for us and to bring us into your eternal presence and to have eternal life forever. Father, would you work in their heart? Would you call them? Would you open their eyes and their, their ears to hear this gospel message? Father, would you work in your church that that we would be able to portray you and be able to display your glory and, and your, the very nature of who you are, that others would come to know you, that we would grow and, and find maturity in Christ, and that, Father, ultimately we would just glorify you with our lives. We ask all of this in your Son's most beautiful and precious name. Amen.